Let's get this revolution started. You're listening to the Compassion Revolution podcast. Each week, we'll be looking at love, compassion, courage, and tenderness, and all the hard work of showing up to shape a compassion revolution. I'm Mary Freer, and I've got 20 years working in healthcare behind me, and there's so much more for us to learn. Let's dive in. Hello, comrades. You know, some days I get the sense that I'm peddling so hard to make things better in the world, and I'm not seeing any change at all. Do you ever feel like that? People often imagine that I never get disheartened, but I do, just like you. I don't stay there very long, though. Then I have to remind myself that change doesn't happen like a shot out of a pistol. And I know I've said that before. It happens in all these amazing incremental moments. People lay the groundwork and often they don't see the fruit of their work or they don't recognise that their work was really instrumental. One of my favourite books is by Rebecca Solnit. It's called Hope in the Dark. It's a terrific little book and I encourage you to read it. In the book she talks about the way change happens incrementally and really encourages us to stay hopeful. And she tells this little story about how after a rain, mushrooms appear on the surface of the earth, as if from nowhere. But many of these mushrooms appear from a vast underground fungus that remains invisible and largely unknown. What we call mushrooms, mycologists call the fruiting body of the larger, less visible fungus. And it's like that with revolutions. Uprisings and revolutions are often considered to be spontaneous. We think, oh, where did that just come from? But they're not. There is always less visible long-term organising and groundwork or underground work. And this work often laid the foundation. When we see changes in ideas and values, we need to remember that these changes resulted from work done by writers, scholars, public intellectuals, social activists, ordinary people like you and me with a hashtag. It might seem insignificant or even peripheral until those very different outcomes start to emerge from transformed assumptions about who and what matters or who should be heard and believed or who has rights. These small, continuous, incremental, bold voices, like your voice and my voice, make change happen. I was thinking just yesterday about a story I heard. It was about a woman who was um, an anti-nuclear weapons activist in the 70s, and she saw herself as just this ordinary, middle-aged woman standing on a street corner every week holding a sign. Sometimes it was raining and sometimes it was hot, but she was really diligent and she met each week with others and she held her placard. She often wondered if she was just wasting her time. This is a true story and she asked herself often, you know, am I making any difference at all? You know those moments when we say to ourselves, should I just give this game away? But she didn't give the game away. She continued to meet with those other friends of hers, other activists, that we'd meet on a particular corner in New York. Anyway, many, many years later, she was listening to Dr. Benjamin Spock on the radio. 
Now, Dr. Spock, for those of you who are old enough to remember, was this American pediatrician, and he wrote this book called Baby and Child Care. It was in the 40s. And it was kind of like a bestseller on parenting. Um, actually, one of the biggest sellers in history, I think. And actually, most Western children who were born in the 50s or 60s were probably parented according to Dr. Spock's theories. Anyway, he was actually quite enlightening. So anyway, Dr. Spock was this prominent anti-nuclear weapons activist, and his work made a really great impact on the trajectory of our world. So here we have this woman who stands on this street corner in New York each week holding a placard, and she's listening to Dr. Spock on the radio, and he's reflecting on his life, and the interviewer asks him this question. What convinced you to step up and speak out so boldly against nuclear weapons? Anyway, this is what he says. He says, one day I was walking through New York and I saw a woman, just an ordinary woman. She's standing in the rain and she's holding a placard and she's getting wet, but she's really making a point known. And I thought to myself, you know, if she can do that in the rain, week in, week out, I can do it too. And it gave me courage to step up. And at that very moment, she discovered that all those afternoons holding her placard had actually changed the course of history. I love that story because, you know, we don't know who is watching us. We don't know who is modelling themselves on our behaviour. We don't know who we encourage. We don't know who we discourage. So we just keep going. I think of that as compassionate activism, the sort of activism that we carry out day in, day out, because we want to see a better world. And we want to create a better world for everyone. That is an activism that doesn't demoralise, but it remoralises people. This is an activism where we don't dismiss or deride or take advantage of others. So here's the warning right up front for all you revolutionaries listening. Stay off the warpath. Do not reproduce in our compassionate activism the oppressive mentalities that we seek to change and transform in the wider world. That's just such an easy trick to fall for. What was it that Audre Lorde said? She said something about, you know, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. I think compassionate activism is an activism that is ready for the war to end. So I'm looking forward to the day when we can put down all our weapons both physical and verbal, and really embrace each other, both physically, but also embrace each other's ideas and thoughts and hopes and goals for the future. We're not perfect in our own practice of this ideal, and we all know we can do better, but that's our goal. It's my goal, and it's the goal for all of us. We want to practice and promote not just a physical nonviolence, but also embody it in our communication, in our thoughts and in our hearts, even when we may strongly disagree. So here's the thing. Let's remember in a secret place in our hearts that we are still family and that beneath all our disagreements, we all share the same basic universal human needs. It's from that seed of compassion that we strive to speak and act. If we fall short of this ideal, we've got other people to help us remember. 
and show us how to do better through their own practice and example. So until next week, may you be well, may you be happy, and may we strive for this ideal together. Have you heard about our two-day Compassion Revolution Conference being held in Melbourne on the 10th and 11th of September? We've got the most amazing lineup of international speakers. Grab your ticket at compassionrevolution.care and you can read more about how you can join the revolution. This podcast is a production of Freer Thinking and our theme music is produced by Iris Latour on I Love You Let's Party. Viva la revolution!